It's Grody time, and that means it's time for Mark Grody with Mully and Haw. Bears. On 670 The School. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. It's time for that one guy. He has been, he continues to be, he will be moving forward. Uh, you know who he is. He's Mark Rody. And now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline is Mark Rody, CircaLasVegas.com. Good morning, Mark. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Molly and Aha. You guys are sounding great, and uh, we're just getting started here at the the combine here on the Thursday portion of the week. And uh, I am currently right now. If you happen to be watching on Twitch right now on six seventy, the score. I am in the uh, the giant convention hall, the media row area. So there's all sorts of traffic updates and sports updates and all sorts of contest giveaways going on right now here <laughs> on media what? row. It's crazy. I just brought a bag of goodies. It's like it's unbelievable with all the media. Free food is flying. And then behind this giant curtain, again, if you're watching, and I, I encourage you to do that, um, is where – the, the player interviews will resume in a little bit. And when I say the player interviews, I'm talking about the ones that we get to conduct with the players as the drama continues to build up to tomorrow. Tomorrow's like the Super Bowl. This is like Super Bowl weekend, and tomorrow's the big day when all the quarterbacks talk in a little bit after I get done with you guys. I'm going to go talk to some safeties because the Bears do have an opening at safety. You look really animated, Mark Grody. You look real energetic on the Twitch stream. People need to check that out. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 to score. What are you looking forward to most today if you are you know, anticipating tomorrow? Don't write off today, Grody. Stay busy. Be active. Be productive. What are, what are you going to do today? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Haw, and uh, thanks for noticing my enthusiasm. I get excited for this stuff, man. You know, you guys know how it is when you're when you're covering something on the road. You're just kind of going on adrenaline, and you're completely off of your regular schedule, and that's why you have plenty of caffeine. And this is one of the most caffeinated uh, buildings in the state. As for today, um, the, the safeties are talking. We know that Eddie Jackson was obviously released by the Bears, so there is an opening. I'm not completely clear on. How, how they value that safety spot opposite of Jaquan Brisker because he is the guy that is the primary safety now who will they, they will look to complement him as opposed to Eddie Jackson, who was complimented by players all of those other years. You know, one of the top safeties that I'm looking forward to talking to, and as a matter of fact, on my own little Bears mock draft with the Bears picks specifically, I do have them taking in the fourth round a safety named Evan Williams, a safety out of Oregon. So I'm going to look forward to talking to him. Also, there's a couple of, of USC defensive players that are going to speak today. So I'm looking really forward. You know the angle I'm going here. I'm I looking do. forward to talking to those guys about practicing with Mr. Caleb Williams and what it's like to defend him. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting day here today talking to some uh, defensive backs and see if there's anything plausible for the Bears. Um, I don't know if you've been in touch with Joe Ostrowski, but Joe let us know this morning that uh, the odds for Justin Fields' next team are in. Uh, minus 425, the Atlanta Falcons. Plus 240, the Chicago Bears. He is more likely to be in Atlanta than Chicago if you're making a bet 
Next up is the Steelers at plus 380, plus 1,200. The Raiders, the Giants, plus 18, plus 2,200. The, the Patriots, plus 4,000. The Broncos, Commander, and plus 5,000. The Bucks. I just find that fascinating that the odds are that he will be with Atlanta over Chicago, even though he's already on the Bears. Well, it's the it's the easy way to go, and we've all been putting that together. Oh, he's from Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta needs a quarterback. Oh, Atlanta's got a whole bunch of weapons that are just sort of dormant right now. You know, it, it does feel like that would be a good fit for Justin Fields, and I know that he doesn't necessarily have a choice in the matter, although Ryan Poles keeps on saying that he's going to do good by Justin Fields. I don't know. I, I was conflicted in listening to him talk on the St. Brown podcast, and you know he talked about Atlanta. It sounded to me that, you know, with, just to oversimplify it, it sounded to me that Justin Fields thought the idea of going to Atlanta sounds like a pain in the butt. Like he had zero enthusiasm <laughs> about that idea, about being ambushed by all the people at home and needing to get tickets and all that. It sounds like that that's not ideal for him, but, but I'm sure that he would come around. You know, all those other teams are plausible, too. One team that I know he's not going to end up going to or be traded to, uh, and I'll let Joe Ostrowski know about this, is the Raiders. There's no way that's going to happen because you're not going to put Justin Fields back with Luke Getze again. That's just not going to happen. So Steelers would be interesting. kind of out, Well, not outside the box, but, you know, a little bit behind Atlanta. But, yeah, on the overall, I would probably agree that that seems to be from the people that I've talked to out here and anybody that wants to give an opinion, it does sound like Atlanta is the most plausible uh, trading partner. But you never know. There's been there's, We all know that be prepared for a surprise party. I didn't see coming what happened last year as soon as it did with the, the trading of the number one pick and the DJ Moore pick. But we're, we're not looking at that scenario this year. All right, Groats, I know you're a hockey guy, but when you look at Caleb Williams face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and if you've seen him in Indianapolis, have have you said that he's smaller than you think? His stature is not what it needs to be to you be an NFL quarterback? A, you, you said he's a tiny little fella, and you thought you might steal him is while that you what, were there. Did you, is that accurate, Grody? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I don't want to run into this guy. I might knock him over. I mean, I was like, unbelievable. No, no, let me just. Let me let me set this up. Let me set this up for you guys. So there is a one of the hallways that leads directly into the dome. It's attached to the convention center. And for people who don't know, we don't get to actually watch the workout. So you can get into Lucas Oil Stadium. There's a big hallway, and I was just kind of hanging out, loitering around there, seeing who I could talk to, you know, doing a little bit of uh, people watching because it's fascinating, you know, to see all the, the head coaches and the agents and see who they're hanging out with, you know, see a Jim Harbaugh coming in, walking solo, seeing a tense Sean Payton. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm literally getting ready to go on the air with Bernstein and Holmes and Layla yesterday, and I see a, uh, a guy intensely um, videoing and a what looks to be a, a player, which is not uncommon. And then I'm just looking at him. I'm not too impressed. And I'm like, he seems kind of unassuming. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Caleb freaking Williams right there. And no, he, he, because he, just, he, he did not strike me when I saw him as, oh, look at that athlete. You know what I mean? Like, um, so he, I think he's bigger than Bryce Young, but I, it was noticeable to me his size. Like, it, 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 really, it really was. And I, as I've been saying, 
it is what it is. That's what I saw. But I, I am not one of those who is considerably worried about it with Caleb Williams because he has done what he has done at USC dealing with that. I know the NFL is a different animal, but this guy with the arm angles that he has, his, his ability to get out of the pocket and make plays and to adjust, I think that he's going to be okay. How, how long did you have to stay in Ryan Pohl's closet in order to eavesdrop on that interview with uh, Caleb Williams? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was t- here's the thing. This is why I'm drinking all the coffee. I just They locked the doors here, and I just camped out and <laughs> yeah, got the lowdown. No, I am, I'm definitely looking forward, though, to hearing – of more about the meeting. I'm sure that we'll, you know, the standard, did you, did you do the darts or did you do the, the golf balls? And we'll ask all the questions. I promise you that if, if somebody doesn't, I will asking him about the whole thing about the, the desire to go to Chicago, his dad's parts in, in all of this. Certainly I'll ask about the height concerns and all of that, but it'll be interesting to hear what he says about that because we know what the concerns were coming in. It sounds like, you know, per that ESPN report, by Pete Thamel, that a lot of that has been cleared up. But I, look, we, we all collectively, and most importantly, the Bears and Ryan Poles, still need to hear that from him and need to hear how he says it. Context is important in this case. So you're still skeptical because I think that story was very interesting and I felt like it was the most important development of the Caleb Williams speculation season. He, he corrected a lot of things that had been – you know, I think misinformation, inaccurate, Mark. And I think the perception of Caleb Williams largely could have changed because of that story. And I guess he gets another opportunity on Friday to do some more, I guess, correcting. How much do you think that could change the narrative of his pre-draft process? It'll change it all, David. I mean, I think that people just need to hear it from him. And I think that we will all give him the benefit of the doubt unless he gets up there and we could just detect that he's being disingenuous and he's going through the motions and he's not putting, giving a full explanation. I think that, you know, I have a good enough antenna that I could tell when a player is being real about something, but in terms of, I don't know if the stuff that we've been hearing, David has necessarily been inaccurate. I think that, that it's very possible that when, Caleb Williams and his camp heard that the Bears had the number one pick. They were like, oh, man. And it's very possible that that was not a very exciting option for them. But once they start, once some of that stuff got out, they realized even if that is the truth, even if that there is some truth to them not wanting to go here, there's a lane that they had to pick. Do you want to start, Caleb Williams, do you want to start your NFL career by being difficult, essentially? Do you really want that? And it appears to me that they do not want that because, you know, I heard you guys talking about the, the Colin Coward stuff the other day, you know, in terms of him having to, to backtrack on saying mm. that the camp was not interested. And then, you know, so that, that was the beginning of it. They're like, Hey, yo, we're not, we don't want to do this. We know how we feel. We'll keep our opinions to ourselves from now on, put our heads down and play ball. So I, and, and I do think, you know, like in, in this case that, once, if it is Caleb Williams, once he comes to the Bears and he's here for a while, I think he's going to be just fine. And I, hey, guys, I understand. Like, I understand where Caleb Williams or any quarterback is coming from if they look side eyed at coming to the Chicago Bears. 
why wouldn't you, considering the lack of success that the Bears have had at quarterback? But ultimately, I don't think it's going to be a problem, but I do want to confirm it tomorrow, and that's what we will do. Mark Rohde is covering the NFL Combine this week, and he will be hosting on-the-clock specials tonight and tomorrow from 6 to 7 p.m., with exclusive content from Indianapolis. Mark's scheduled to be joined by Chris Sims, Josina Anderson, and so much more. On the clock with Mark Grody can be heard right here on 670 The Score and, of course, the Odyssey app. Um, You know, okay, I I loved reading the Pete Thamel story. There's a lot of things that jumped out to me about it. And it was uh, it was a, a certain relief, although I felt it was also a confirmation because the general manager had told us the day before, don't worry about any of that stuff. He's fine with the Bears, etc. So that was a confirmation of what the general manager had said. I'm wondering, Mark, the the uh, the story is that he won't be taking part in any of the medical testing, that he's not going to have uh, an X-ray, nary an MRI for uh, a Caleb Williams. Are we, and, and, and then I look at the teams he's talking to and it's a curious collection of teams because obviously we know the top of the draft wants to talk to him, but then there are other teams uh, that would have to probably trade up in order to get an opportunity to, to take him. I just wonder if you have any idea how he chose the teams he's willing to interview with, including both New York teams and the, uh, and the Las Vegas Raiders, um, and, um, and, and what does it mean to you about uh, not wanting all his medical stuff shared with every team in the league? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's worried about that measuring stick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really Is sure. Is he going to be measured? I, and I'm serious. I mean, are we going to get, like, the exact height and weight? And, and, you know, he's not taking part in throwing or, or lifting or anything like that. We know that. But I'm very curious about – what his hand size is, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I am too. I my guess, Molly, is that we will get the the height weight thing down. I mean, I know that if he can avoid it, he will. But that's just such an easy thing, and I think that that probably will happen. Now, in terms of the the poking and the prodding and the the medical stuff, quite frankly, I I don't know. I don't understand why he wouldn't want to go with that i mean even if there is some sort of um like uh, minor injury or whatever the case may be i don't think that that's going to hurt his draft stock unless there's something ridiculous or crazy that's completely vulnerable that we don't know about so i'm a little bit confused about that part and that will definitely be another question and who knows who knows what develops here today and could he possibly still do the medicals I'm keeping that possibility open, um, so so we'll see. I, I mean, I just think it's kind of a mess in that regard. In terms of the the teams that that potentially or, or are or have met with Caleb Williams at this point, yeah, some of those things did catch my interest. Like you know, you mentioned the the Minnesota portion of it. I don't know exactly how or, or how he decided to you know accept these meetings other than it's very possible that those are the teams that called me said yeah sure i'll meet i'll meet with you guys and from hmm. their side you know hey if this guy is the a generational quarterback and i know that we've hit people over the head with that and overused that terminology then some of these teams the jets minnesota 
that they are going to, you know, there are so many teams that are going to do what they have to do to potentially get this guy. And, you know, and as people have been saying all week, you know, expect something. Ryan Paul said it. Expect yeah. something crazy to happen. Who knows what? Because we all think we know what's going to go down. And we've got our scenarios in our head. We know what the betting line is in terms of, uh, in terms of Caleb Williams and the Atlanta trade. But there's always the wild card. And I think that that sets up for the potential of it. So I know you're talking to safeties today and you get a glimpse of that. Yesterday was the edge rushers and defensive linemen. We heard from a lot of guys, and I think that they were you know, all possibilities. There's a couple of them that could be there at number nine. What were you looking for yesterday from those experiences and interactions? And has anything happened this week that you didn't expect in terms of a memorable meeting or interview or nugget that you unearthed? Yeah, I think that the most interesting guy that I've talked to at the Combine, maybe even in a couple of years, actually, and a guy that I didn't know much about, is UCLA edge rusher uh, Liatu Latu, yeah. who had 13 sacks last year. He had 10 and a half the year before that. This is a guy with a great story, too, because the year before, like three years ago, his, his rookie year, this guy basically had a broken neck, you know, and it was told, you're done with football. And now here he is, back-to-back years of double-digit sacks and is considered by some as the top defensive end on the board. And he is a super gregarious, fun, interesting guy. There, you know, I sent that back there, so you guys should listen to that sometime. He's, he's a really interesting dude. Um, and he, he, you know, he said he had a blast with the Bears. You know, he did meet with the Bears. He said he had fun with the – he got a kick out of the darts thing and the golf thing. But he, he is a super talented prospect. I don't know if he is – 30 or he's what the bears want at number nine. Um, A couple of the other guys, I think my top defensive end on the board. And I talked to him yesterday is Dallas Turner um, out of Alabama, Uh, 11 sacks last year, 15 and a half tackles for loss. He's my top guy. Um, Other, other dudes too, that I talked to Jared verse of Florida state, another guy who's kind of a late bloomer, you know, he, he had his growth spurt late and now he's up to 6'4", 251, and he, he didn't look like he was going to even make it out of high school uh, or into a major program. And then, then uh, you know, one of the better athletes in the group too, a guy that was pretty impressive is Chop Robinson out of Penn State. He did have a leg injury last year, um, so he only played in seven games, but he did have four sacks and he is 100% healthy as well. You know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but um, I think it would probably, to me, it would probably be a surprise at this point if the Bears, if they do keep that number nine pick or that's what it is, I think I would be a little bit surprised if they go defensive end because I think that that's probably a prime spot for a wide receiver, whomever is left at that point. Yeah, I, again, you know, is there a run on quarterbacks? Is there a run on receivers? Is there one yeah. that's going to be there? And, you know, I think there's a lot of things to consider before um, we'll know what they're going to do. Um, Mark, um, Peoria, Matt checks in. He says, I believe I have a lot to learn about this guy. So we got that going. We got a pun on, uh, on Latu. So here we go. All right, buddy. Uh, Thank you, pal. Yeah. You look beautiful. You care deeply and we can't wait Uh, to hear you on the clock. The specials tonight and tomorrow, six to seven exclusively from Indy with Mark Grody on the score. 
Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're actually doing uh, – we, we have a special tonight, and then we're doing a bonus show on Friday, too. On the Clock will be on Friday as well from 6 o'clock until 7 o'clock. I believe Daniel Jeremiah will join me. Got to love that. He's wow. a good guest. Yeah. Hey, Grody, did you get a new stylist, too? Yeah. <laughs> David said your beard would come in too wispy yeah. to, to keep up the floosy thing, but uh, – I gotta. I'm gonna have to see. Like, like I've been saying, like I am capable of growing a beard in that same color oh. as Pat Eberflus. So, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep this thing alive. We'll see. I think that. I think that I'm gonna have that prepared for training camp because that. That's where you want to show up looking in shape and looking different. So well, that. That is what I'm. I'm trying to figure out. Brody, here. if you hold Hopefully. up your end of the bargain, we'll get you fitted in some flag and anthem, and you will look like. You look very debonair. Yeah. You. Oh even- yeah. You won't even have to get in shape to look good with flag and anthem, buddy. Can I get a bushel of flannels from you guys? Can you get <laughs> used? Enough? You know, honestly, used flannels. Yeah, there's definitely bushels. <laughs> All right, buddy. thanks, Mark. God bless, Mark. Thank you, pal. Right. See you guys. That is our guy, Mark Rody. That's fun stuff. Can't wait to hear him from the combine with those interviews. Daniel Jeremiah is a good guy. He is the guy that coined. The confetti test. Yeah. And does your quarterback pass the confetti test? Can you imagine him being on the field as confetti falls to the ground and you're celebrating a Super Bowl? Can your scientist get you confetti? <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. And, and free agency is like a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a turkey and a, and a thermometer. You kind of have to... Go in, see what the temperature is, evaluate it. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Okay, that's Scott Boris. And uh, let's hope that the thermometer, or that the turkey's cooked enough for the thermometer. Yeah, all right. That is uh, him from yesterday. We're delighted to welcome in uh, Tony Andraki. Now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline is uh, Tony Andraki from the Marquee Sports Network. Download the Circa Sports app today. Tony, good morning. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing well. We enjoyed hearing uh, from, well, not so much Scott Boris, but definitely from uh, from uh, Bellinger. And, and uh, I thought that it was, you know, great the way that, um, that they kind of Sat there, introduced him, talked about, you know, he was he was kind of champing at the bit, wanted to get back into camp, wants to play baseball. I loved what he what he said about how close they were last year. He said it's almost the same team. Um, what was your take from seeing Bellinger back with the Cubs and what that means for this season? Well, I think first off, uh, you said – not so much from Scott Boris, but I mean, you were laughing at that turkey baster line and uh, and thermometer, and I was laughing too. And then I laughed even harder when I saw how much Bellinger was laughing at it, and then Jed was cracking up too. So I thought, I mean, Boris had a per, per, couple pretty good like one-liners throughout the the press conference that I liked a lot too. But yeah, I mean, Bellinger, my one of my main takeaways from it was just that it really feels like one that he wanted to be back here and, and he made it happen and worked with his agent to make it happen, work with Jed to make it happen. But I think also that he and the Cubs feel like they have unfinished business here. And that was what I, I really kind of took away from it is they, you know, he was talking about how close they were last year, you know, the one game away and 
all of that. He really, really feels motivated and, and seems genuine in that, that he's motivated to like get the Cubs back to the playoffs. So it reminded me a ton of the Dexter Fowler thing eight years ago when he walked in the, you know, in the middle of spring training and it was because of unfinished business. And that was the term that we heard so much in 2016. I'm not saying the Cubs are going to win the world series this year. I'm just saying it reminds me a lot of like adding that one almost final piece to the roster because of the unfinished business and bringing the, the group back together. Tony, I got to ask though, why was Scott Boris even there? Tom Ricketts had to have signed off on it. Jared Hoyer had to have signed off on it. Yeah, he had a couple good one-liners. He's always good for that. He is a powerful agent. We all understand that. He's not a Cubs executive. I just wondered, why was he there? <laughs> I, I don't know the exact answer to that. Um, I know that he's been at a lot of his you know top clients' press conferences over just the past couple of years throughout other teams as well. So, um, but I don't, I don't know for sure why he was there. And uh, it is a little unusual to see the agent up at the table alongside the player, alongside the, the Cubs executive, but you know, the agents are always there. You know, I think of when uh say signed, like his agent was there and ended up holding court and uh, had a, like a media scrum after it just wasn't at the table with everybody else. I know there was a lot of jokes and, and there was a, a very funny kind of double take toward uh Jed, when the question was asked about if you know there's going to be another uh, move with uh, with a Boris client for the Cubs and 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 all of that, now I've read it a couple different ways. Somebody wrote a story saying the Cubs are 30 million below the uh, tax barrier, and someone wrote they're about five million below the tax barrier. Regardless, and I know Jed was asked this, but do you believe they're done now? Do you believe this is the roster and you're moving forward and you got the new manager and what he can do with the younger players? Or do you think there is a possibility, how, however uh, unlikely, that they, they could try to grab another one of these uh, short-term deals with a, a Boris client? Yeah, I'm I'm a little pessimistic on any sort of like Boris Klein or major acquisition like that. Mm. I, I'm not saying I would rule it out completely, but I just think that uh, for the most part, this team is done. And, and I think they like their pitching depth and stuff a lot in terms of, you know, adding one of those guys. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't necessarily say like a Montgomery or a Snell seems super likely there, you know, but uh, or possibly even Matt Chapman, I, I guess. I feel like Chapman's, you know, uh, what a year or two older than Bellinger, so he may be even more motivated to look for a long-term contract right now versus something like what Bellinger just signed. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm not really optimistic on any of those three guys in particular. But for the Cubs, I do think for the most part, like they are done. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up adding another reliever. Uh, maybe it's you know a guy that that isn't. Um, you know, super highly touted or anything like that, but just another guy to add bullpen depth, particularly from the left side. I think the way the Cubs look at this overall, though, is they have a full 40-man roster, and even to get Bellinger on the 40-man roster, they had to trade away Bailey Horn, a left-handed young reliever that they really like, but they had to trade him to the White Sox, get another young pitcher in return. So they they look at it as like a trade. They would have to trade one of the guys that they like off their 40-man roster in order to upgrade for somebody else. So anybody else that they would sign. So I think that's just kind of the way they look at it. And like you said, given that they're going to be close, I think to the luxury tax, um, I'm not so sure on some of these guys, but then again, you know, who knows? I, maybe things change. Maybe it gets longer into spring training here and 
some of these other guys are like, yeah, fine, I'll take like a one-year deal, and then the Cubs come back into play. So I'm not saying it's particularly likely, um, but I do think that there may be some things left on the table depending on how stuff shakes out. Whether in style or approach, what's been the most noticeable difference in Craig Council's spring training than previous ones in Mesa, Tony? And has he corrected one of your questions yet? (laughs) (laughs) He has not, no. uh, (laughs) So, I, I mean, I just got down here yesterday after his scrum, so I'm going to, you know, talk to him now. Uh, he has not corrected any of my questions as of yet. Uh, just in general, whenever I've talked to him, you know, at convention or uh, his introductory press or anything like that. So, uh, we'll see. I'm sure I'll get one at some point. Um, but I think the, the most noticeable difference for me is just, like, the fresh eyes approach to it all. You know, this is a guy who had his opinions, his own thoughts on the the Cubs organization from playing against them and trying to beat them for so long and now to come over. And, and I think that that's really interesting, but also really valuable too, of like, you know, he knows what a guy like Hayden Wisniewski, who's a young pitcher uh, can do to be successful. And, you know, a guy who hasn't like fully uh, realized maybe that potential yet at the big league level, or a guy like Edward Alzelay, who has filled a bunch of roles and pitched against the Brewers in a bunch of roles. And, you know, now he was the closer last year, like, but does council take a fresh approach? I, I don't know for sure that Azale is, is the closer this year or not. So I think it's just like a ton of things like that. But I think that that can also be really valuable too when you're talking about a group of, honestly, a lot of young pitchers, but young players in general that will have an impact. And I think maybe the most noticeable thing could end up being Christopher Morrell. Like, does he stick at third base? And if he does, is it because they decided like, hey, let's work him out for sure at one position all spring, which is not something they've done in the past. And, you know, how much does does his council's experience seeing these players, his experience as one of the top managers in the game, but also his experience as a utility player who won a lot in his big league career as a front office executive, like how does all of this come into play in his perspective? So uh, it's one thing that I'm going to continue to watch throughout spring for sure. He's Tony Andracki from the Marquee Network, and we were talking earlier. You got to love the stuff that Bellinger said about Pete Crow Armstrong. You know, he loves the kid. He, he has a good relationship with him. He's a really good kid. His presence, however, would seemingly indicate that um, that maybe the best move the Cubs could make would be sending him to Iowa so he can work on his hitting, et cetera, or do you believe in the idea that Pete Crow Armstrong could be a uh, a valuable piece as a as a late inning defensive replacement that would allow a uh, Bellinger to be a late inning uh, defensive replacement at first base? I mean, do you how do you view Pete Crow Armstrong's role on this team with Bellinger back as the starting center fielder? Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, Bellinger spoke so highly of him, but I think the main takeaway for me there was the fact that they continued a conversation throughout the offseason, which Bellinger said, you know, he he spoke with PCA throughout the offseason, obviously even before he re-signed with the Cubs. So I think that's valuable, like, leadership, and that's something that PCA can learn from and, and take moving forward. I mean, what better guy to learn from as him, you know, to, than Bellinger? So I think that's huge. But, yeah, as for his role, I mean, if if PCA is going to be up here in the big leagues, it's going to be, I think, to play a majority of the time. Maybe not every single day, but I don't think it serves him well, a guy that by all accounts has a bright future as a big leaguer. I don't think it serves him well to be just a defensive replacement or mostly a defensive replacement or pinch runner. 
So I, I think that if he were to make the opening day roster, which is certainly possible, maybe seems a little more unlikely now that Bellinger is back in the fold, I think it would be because he would play a bunch. And I, I do think that the, the DH question is something that lingers that is a possibility of a path to playing time. Like, you know, it could be that Michael Bush is, you know, he hasn't played a ton of first base in the pros he has in college, but like maybe he struggles there or the Cubs like his versatility. He could play second or third, you know, he's dabbled in the outfield as well. Like maybe there's that option. Like we said, Christopher Morell, you know, can always go to go to DH as well. Bellinger can get, you know, a half day off in DH. So I do think that there could be a path to playing time for like PCA if he were on the big league roster. But I think right now it looks like a Mike Talkman is a guy who could either fill a DH role, mm. be a fourth outfielder type of guy. Uh, then PCA right now, the veteran bat, a guy who could lead off all that kind of stuff. That's the way I'm looking at it. But things can change throughout camp. And really the, the arrival of Bellinger now means that the Cubs just need Bush or PCA to hit. They need to hit on one of those two guys in spring and go into the year feeling confident about that. Whereas previously they needed both of those guys. Essentially they need to hit on both of them and feel confident and comfortable with both of them on the big league roster. There's a lot of chirping in the division from the Reds and from other, maybe the Cardinals are confident, but Tony, when you look at it, you're right. They only need one of those two rookies to hit, but are the Cubs better than last year? Because you lose Candelario, you don't have Stroman, you have Bellinger coming back. Certainly you have Imanaga in the rotation, but are they better? Do you think? And if so, why? I do think that they're better for a couple different reasons. Like, one, I, it, you, Jed pointed to this a bunch, and the Cubs talked about the whole, uh, like, performing, not performing very well in high leverage moments. So, they're by the run differential, all that stuff, they should have won 90 games last year. Now, they are what their record says they are. So, they won 83. They missed the playoffs by one game. That That's what actually happened. But I think the team on the field was a team that was capable of winning up to 90 games last year. So, if you're bringing back most of that crew, obviously Stroman's the one really big loss there, but I think Imanaga can possibly put up, you know, similar numbers that the Cubs are very hopeful for that. But I also just like the, the pitching depth and some of these young guys that are coming in, you know, whether it's Jordan Wicks or Javier Assad or Hayden Wisniewski, who I mentioned, or, you know, Caleb Killian's looked good this spring. He's a guy that I think some people have forgotten about. Uh, there's probably one or two other guys in there for sure. But, you know, then there's Drew Smiley around. And then is Kate Horton come up at some point? Does Ben Brown help out? Uh, some of these other youngsters like Matt Shaw's looked good. Does he help at some point this year? Does Michael Bush take that next step that the Cubs think he can? I think there are a lot of ifs for sure. There are, there are a lot of question marks. But I do feel pretty confident the Cubs can be better than last year because of the council effect, because I think they got unlucky and performed poor in high leverage moments last year, which – is randomness, you know, it could turn very, very easily for this season. And I just like their overall, like, pitching picture that, and these, some of these young guys that can, like, help take the next step this season. I know the candidates, and I know they're going to use the DH position to move a lot of guys around and everyone gets an opportunity, et cetera. But do they have a DH? Is there anybody in particular that you would say is going to line up there more often than not? No, that is a really good question. I don't know who that would be. You know, they have a couple of these minor league signings. Uh, David Peralta and Dom Smith are two guys who can certainly factor into that mix, but they're both coming off a couple injuries and uh, surgeries and stuff from the offseason. So there's no – I don't think either of them are 
going to be ready by opening day. Maybe there's like an outside chance of it. Uh, but also that goes back to the 40-man roster we were talking before. They would need to c- clear a spot on the 40-man for one of those guys. Same with Garrett Cooper, you know, who's right. another minor league signing. So I think those guys may be factor in at some point, maybe whether that's like April or May. Uh, but, yeah, right now, I, I don't know. It could be like a talkman. It could be just a rotating spot where council gives some guys like a half day off and, you know, maybe talkman plays right field and say a DH is or something like that. I think there are a lot of options, but there's no one guy that I would point to and be like, yeah, this guy is going to be the DH more often than not. Great stuff, Tony. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. That's Tony Andraki from the uh, Marquee Network. Do you like that? No DH? Is that a good thing? I think thing? it's on brand for Council. I think he likes the versatility mm-hmm. with his lineup, and he's going to see different matchups that he takes advantage of. He's going to be heavily, I think, immersed in the analytics. So it doesn't concern me as much as it might otherwise. Mm. You like it, Dustin? That they're good for you? I, I, I get it based on the roster yeah. construction. Um, and I think you see, telling the, the only problem I have with it, and and I go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I I just I don't know that Michael Bush is a lock at what he's doing. Right. You know what I mean? Has he locked down first base? You just don't want to, because then Patrick Wisdom would be the first base. Right. Well, that's the other. That's the, the whole DH. other part of this that we got to get yeah. into is like yeah. who's who's is Bellinger the starting center fielder? Don't know yet. Why was that not more addressed yesterday? I was surprised well, by that. Well, I, I thought – Boris was an, there. Isn't there an assumption that he is? Because Boris was there hogging the microphone. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we come back. Molly and on the score. Just your thoughts on Bellinger and uh, Portland nah. becoming in here. Yeah. No, I can't. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You need to be more skilled in how you would ask that, and I could answer that. <laughs> just a little, just a little tip. <laughs> think about that. I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. Just think about it. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. Wow. Think about it. Craig Council correcting yeah. a young questioner at Cubs camp. Mm. And uh, that's the place to do it, I think, if you want to do that, if you want to engage. Craig Council seems like one of those managers, coaches, guys that we deal with who want who, who takes those conversations seriously, and he wants you to be prepared. Did you have a problem with that? No. Did you? No. No. I thought I, it was funny. I think we all have been in that situation before. And I do kind of bristle every time you hear a question that begins with talk about. Oh, I, I don't talk, like about, talk about questions. And, or just ask for – you have this pause in the statement that you make, and then you expect the interviewer hmm. or the interviewee to fill the gap. So I didn't have any problem with that. He did it kind of tongue-in-cheek. and so that, But I think that's also indicative of the kind of things you're going to get from Craig Council. A little bit unorthodox definitely intelligent and things that maybe we're not used to yet. Um, here's my question for both of you guys, if you wouldn't mind, do you believe Michael Bush has locked down first base or will have locked down first base by the time uh, you get out of spring training? I don't think you can answer that without, it's just going to be an educated guess. There's, I don't think there's any definitive answer. And I think that's the beauty of bringing Cody Bellinger back because if the answer is yes, Michael Bush was blocked in L.A., he's going to be a major league hitter the way he was, the PCL MVP, absolutely, Molly. 
then you're thinking, okay, Cody Bellinger is going to play center field, and that's the way it's going to go. Or, boy, Michael Bush looks like he wasn't ready for prime time. He's a 4A player. He's this late, this year's version of Matt Mervis, and he's not going to cut it because look at PCA go in center field, and that way Cody Bellinger is your first baseman. So, Dustin, do you have an answer? Well, I'm kind of the same way, David, but that's also why I believe, especially on the field, the positional players, not so much the pitchers, but why spring training matters, especially for the Cubs right now. It does matter. Of course it does. Now, he said the results don't matter. But the results, like the final score or like the results of like, I was one for three or I was two for four or which results? Let's put it in the context of Cody Bellinger. He had a great year last year by most accounts, right? Great year. Analytics, people looking at it differently, a little closer, maybe he didn't. A lot of soft contact, a lot of this, a lot of that. I think sometimes when you look at the results, you get caught up in the numbers. What Craig Council, I think, is saying is that when you say results don't matter, you're going to see things that may, all right, this kid's got it, but he's just having some bad luck. He's maybe hitting 211, but I think he's going to hit and do what we need him to do during the regular season. So he sees maybe a different game than we see. Okay, so – then the question becomes, what's more likely, Michael Bush starting at first base or Pete Crow Armstrong starting at center? Better question. That, that's what, Better that's question. what you're asking, effectively. My, right. More likely is Michael Bush starts at first base, Cody yes. Bellinger's in center, fielder, is in center field, and Pete Crow Armstrong starts in Iowa. Dustin? Because, yes, because that provides you with more pop, and Cody – while he's not as good as PCA at center field right now, more at center field enough. right now, he's yes. not as good at that, but well, that's it. You know, the offense obviously better and obviously um, PCA hasn't proven, but he could prove the, the, the big, the other on top of that. And I'll agree with this, but is it better for PCA and the Cubs for him to be the seventh inning replacement guy out in center. That's what Bruce argued. Bellinger moves to first at that point. Yeah. Or is it better for PCA to get in four and five at bats every day in AAA Iowa? Well, and I know at some point you could have both, I, but. I, I think that's a good question, and every baseball person might answer that a little differently. I'm okay if he's the defensive replacement, steal a base guy that gets two starts a week. Because I don't think Craig Council is one of those old school managers where guys are going to play 150 games. Unless you're Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner, I don't think you're playing 150 games. So, so my at the same position. my answer to that question is to start him in Iowa, and if he gets all hotted up with his bat, you bring him up. But I would start him with as many at bats as he can get because my concern isn't. For him this year, it's for him moving forward. I think that's conventional wisdom and certainly defensible. The only reason I have a little bit of hesitation in agreeing with it wholeheartedly is that they made that mistake last year with Christopher Morrell, and they waited way too long to bring him up. And they corrected They did, but they lost out in 15 home runs or whatever he he hit at Iowa. I don't think PCA is hitting 15 home runs. No, no, but I mean the offensive power or the offensive punch, he's not not a home run hitter. I'm not comparing them offensively. I'm saying whatever growth – that they wanted him to show at Iowa, he could have been producing at the major league level. He was ready, Morrell. Maybe PCA is just as ready. I would worry a little bit that you'd be wasting those at-bats, those quality at-bats in AAA when you could use them in the NL Central. 312-644-6767. That's the telephone number. Let's stick with this a little bit because there is another element to this thing that we have to bring into it. It's Mully and Juan the score.